Coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. Opera Roanoke is closing out its season with a show that's not technically an opera. It's a requiem, a Catholic mass for the dead. More specifically, it's Giuseppe Verdi's requiem. Opera Roanoke conductor maestro Stephen White says they're using the nearly 150-year-old music to honor those lost to COVID and war. In this episode of Hometown Stories, White shares a modern take on an ancient text. So I wanted to start by first by asking you, um, what has it been like to get back into performing after everything that Opera Roanoke has gone through over the last two years, everything that the arts world essentially has has gone over in the last couple of years? How does it make you feel to be conducting once again? It is incredibly exhilarating. And I have to say that the last few years, um, you know, it's been it's been a source of, of, of trauma for everyone, of course. Um, but I think particularly in the arts community, particularly in uh, the opera world and in uh, the world of classical music, where so much of what we do is dependent on our colleagueship and collaboration with others. And when that has not been possible, uh, it, it lets you realize the things that we have taken for granted, we can't always take for granted. And, and the sheer joy, I'm, I'm a freelance conductor as well as being here in Roanoke. And I, I just got through conducting uh, performances in Omaha, Nebraska, and before that in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah. And, you know, everyone was in a state of sort of like, at a certain level, we're starting all over again. We are reassessing the things that are most important. Nobody wants to wear a mask. Nobody wants to go through all these procedures. But if wearing a mask in a rehearsal allows us to make music, my by golly, I mean, we're, we're going to do it. You know, we're going to do anything we can to get back to, to making music. And as things get, uh, get marginally better and, and incrementally better, and we're able to relax more and more things, um, I just I simply think that it's a, it's a time of, of really reassessing our priorities in the arts and not taking anything for granted. It's that, it's that joy of community. Um, which uh, was in danger for a long time. Tell me about the process of picking the performances or the operas uh, that Opera Roanoke um, chooses to put on. And tell me in particular about why Requiem. Well, I have to say that the uh, opera is the most expensive um, uh, performing art form there is. I mean, you've got a full, full symphony orchestra, you've got uh, usually you've got a, a big chorus, you've got sets, you've got costumes, um, and it, it, so it's it's monumentally expensive. So 
we can't do that many of them, you know, we don't have, we don't have a gigantic budget. Um, so we have to be very careful with what we choose. And um, given the fact that uh, Verdi, the greatest composer of um, Italian opera in the 19th century and the greatest opera composer perhaps of all time, um, wrote this incredible piece, um, the Verdi Requiem, um, which some people consider to be almost his greatest opera. And let me explain that for just a moment. Of course, it is not an opera. It is a, it is a liturgical concert work, if you will. There have been lots of requiems. There have been lots of masses associated with the Catholic Church. And the, rec the requiem mass, of course, is to honor uh, and to pray for uh, those who have departed. Um, but Verdi, who is the greatest musical dramatist there is, you know, if you're going to write an opera, you've got to have a sense of portraying drama. Verdi took the text of the ancient, ancient liturgical language, the Diesire, which is the biggest part of the of the Requiem. It talks about the end times. It talks about when, when the the, the earth and that will be re, uh, reduced and dissolved into ashes. And it talks about the great white throne judgment and the trumpet of the Lord that comes and, and, and raises the dead from the sepulchers. You cannot imagine that incredibly theatrical concept in the hands of a master like uh, Giuseppe Verdi. And so this sense of drama that he imbues in this liturgical uh, Latin ancient text is Incredible. And so our thought in, in deciding uh, to do the Verdi Requiem, uh, any number of opera companies uh, have felt like it is their uh, right to do the Verdi Requiem in performance. The Metropolitan Opera opened their season this year with, with the Verdi Requiem. Um, so while it is not specifically an opera, it is as operatic as anything we might do. And so um, the Requiem has taken on uh, more meaning with each passing month uh, in the last uh, in the last few years. So many of us have have lost so many friends, and uh, we've the, the entirety of our society has been put through um, has been really put through the ringer. And then now we've got this potentially cataclysmic event going on in uh, Ukraine and Russia, um, and it you know and and what it portends we 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 don't even know for sure. But I think it has the whole world troubled. It has the whole world. Uh, looking for some kind of uh, solace and some kind of um, assurances that um, uh, that that things are going to be all right. And the Verdi Requiem very specifically addresses fear in an incredible way. Um, the, the, it is sort of if you want to if you want to talk about what the drama is, it is the drama of the journey of the soul th from life through death up until the time of judgment. And um, there's great comfort in it. There's great fear in it, and there is incredible petition on part on the on the part of the soloists, on, on the part of the chorus, indeed even on part of the orchestra, which is so so monumentally important in terms of uh, framing the musical phrases and the musical thrust. It is a it is an act of communal prayer, and uh, the very last words of the of of the of the requiem are libera me deliver me in the day of uh, in the day of death and uh, and de de deliver me and you know the verdi requiem in particular this particular requiem has always had uh, a communal intention when verdi wrote this he wrote it as a memorial to uh, the greatest italian writer of his time alessandro manzoni um, who had died 
Um, and he intended it as a great public memorial. Um, and so the, the, the Verdi Requiem has always taken on um, a role down through the years. I mean, that was in 1874, so it's almost 150 years old. Uh, it has always taken on a, a, a role of, of communal gathering and communal prayer. Um, you, you have to realize too, when I, when I talk about prayer and, and the sense of this piece, Verdi himself was not a practicing Catholic. In fact, he was, he was not particularly religious and, and perhaps he would, he would even describe himself as agnostic. Um, but he understood um, a lot of the human spiritual concepts um, that the text of this, uh, of, of this great um, uh, liturgical drama um, implies for everybody, for every human, for um, it, it, it deals with it deals with life and death and the end things and the things that matter in ways that are that, that just have to be heard to believe with such incredible beauty, such incredible beauty. The thing that's so great about the, the Verdi Requiem is that it is about the most human piece that I know. Um, and um, it requires a great, great deal of uh, fortitude from uh, world-class singers who themselves are have to be professional opera singers. Uh, that these 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 roles, these soloist roles in this piece, are each one of them as big as any opera role that they would ever sing, whether it's from Aida or whether it's La Traviata or Rigoletto. Um, it, it requires a tremendous amount of virtuosity from the orchestra and, and a great deal of, of uh, finesse and, and, uh, and power from the chorus. It's a, it's a truly monumental coming together of, of, of musical forces. You've probably heard it uh, a thousand times, but in the work of preparing to perform it for Opera Roanoke this year, was there any piece of music in it or any other words apart from the ones at the end that you mentioned that stood out to you anew or stood out to you in a fresh way with this new perspective preparing it for this season yes i mean studying studying the words of the text in uh what is called the offertorio which is the offertory there is a moment called um the hostias where we are bringing praise to god and thanking him and praising God on behalf of those whom we at this moment are memorializing. And the, and the, and the, and the Latin text there, the next phrase is, fac eas de morte transire ad vitam, make them to pass from death to life. And, and then the next to the last movement is, is called the Lux Eterna, where it asks that light perpetual might shine upon them. And, these things hit home in such a real way. You watch, if you want, if, if, if you want to really feel the words of this requiem and the sincerity of this prayer, all you have to do is watch footage of what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, it just, I mean, there have been times when I have been working on this piece and, and I will see footage of, of a mother finding her son in a well. And it, it, it I mean, it, um, it, brings, it brings new meaning. The thing that's incredible about this is that it has been uh, that these words of this text have represented uh, humanities crying out for help for centuries. These are ancient words. The Dies Irae is medieval, and um, and and so as as it, it's incredible that we're living in a time where, uh, for us at least, um, the, the implications of world events 
in many ways are colliding in a way. I'm talking both about you know, the events of war and the events of, of plague, if you will, that is almost medieval, you know? And I think all of us, whether we have been touched physically um, or even know anyone physically, but the anxiety which we as a society are living in, I, I, I can't imagine anyone that doesn't have anxiety. I'm happy for them if they don't. Um, but uh, collectively, I think that we all, um, we all need to come together uh, to the extent that we can and, and recognize our common humanity and recognize our, our weaknesses, our common frailties, and that no one can do all of this by ourselves. We need help. We need help from each other. Uh, we need help perhaps from a higher power. Whether this, if somebody goes to see Requiem at Opera Roanoke and maybe it's their hundredth time and they're very familiar with opera and maybe even this piece in particular, or maybe this is somebody's very first time ever seeing an operatic performance, what is it that you hope that they get out of Requiem? I hope that they would um, recognize um, the profundity, the beauty, and the directness of, of the experience. That's what we're to hoping to try to give to them. We wanted to speak directly to their hearts. Um, if we perform the music well, there won't be a problem in people recognizing the beauty of this music. It's some of the most beautiful music ever written. If we perform it well, they can't help but be uh, really um, impressed with the power of this, of this, uh, of this music. Um, but I hope that in, in some ways it, uh, it, it can be personalized. It's up to them. Uh, to take what we give and 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 personalize it, um, you know that that's the thing about performing. We always uh, all all performing um, musicians and, and and artists of every kind. We can only do what we can, and and you know art is a two way street. Um, but we want to give every opportunity for those of us who consume our art, who consume our music, to take what is best of that and apply it in any way that is helpful to them. And I think that there will be opportunity in many, many ways for that, for anyone who would come to see this. My last specific question for you is, I feel that for many people unfamiliar with opera, they may have a very um, stereotyped understanding or very limited understanding of Roanoke to maybe somebody who's never considered an opera performance before, or you know, maybe this is piquing their interest given the connections that you guys are making with the music. How would you encourage somebody to look at what you guys are doing and maybe outside of that stereotype or outside of their outside of their limited perceptions? Well, I would simply say that in my experience, and I'm speaking, I've been I've been in music now for all my life, and I turned 60 this year, so that's a long time. Um, but in my experience, uh, when I have brought somebody to their first um, to their first operatic experience, let's say, they are so completely surprised at how um, how dramatic it is, how impressive it is, um, and how it is not the same kind of stereotypical thing that uh, that they're expecting. You know, um, classical music we have lived in a society for quite some time that just takes great relish in making fun of classical music. You know, you watch a movie, you know it's a bad guy if he's listening to classical music. You know, you, 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 it, th that kind of thing. You, I, you, you, you watch an advertisement for a product and, and the, the boring person, the boring product will have classical music and the, and the, the, exciting, the exciting product will have, you know, you know, the latest pop music and all that. I understand that at a certain level, but that for people that don't know classical music, for people who don't know opera specifically, they have been trained uh, to, to think 
that what it is that we do um, is some kind of a caricature that they couldn't possibly like. And at least, you know, at the very least, there would be something to make fun of. Um, I remember the very first time I brought uh, here at Opera Roanoke, it was years ago, we were doing La Traviata, great, great opera by Verdi. Um, and I made free tickets available to, uh, to these uh, high school seniors who had prom dates. And so they thought it was a fancy thing and it was all wonderful. And they put on their corsages and they brought their dates. They were blown away. They had no clue that human beings could sing on a stage without a microphone and project. They had no idea that these stories were so incredibly personal and, and, uh, and, and passionate and dramatic. And, and any number of these folks are now, um, you know, opera aficionados because they had that first experience. It's the first experience that counts. And knowing that, knowing that the first experience is what counts, all of us in the arts world, all of us in the opera world, those of us who are performing artists, we can't mail anything in. We can't, we can't afford to give a boring performance of anything. What if, it's, what, if, what if the very first time a young person comes to experience a symphony or comes to experience an opera and it's mediocre? We're traitors to the cause. We have just set that person up not to enjoy and not to be edified by a lifetime of music, because I know that a lifetime of understanding music and culture and all good things, food, gardening, everything, sports, all good things are efficacious for everybody. And if we have limited someone's uh, ability to appreciate it because we have not done uh, the kind of work that we need to do by invigorating and giving these masterpieces, we, we, we are so fortunate. We work with masterpieces. I mean, we don't, you know, people ask me all the time, how, how, do, you, how do you like conducting La Boheme or, uh, you know, a Beethoven piece or, 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 or something else over and over again? I wouldn't like it if it wasn't great music. Trust me, you know, I trust me. But it, but these masterpieces, you find something in them every single time. You find something new in them every single time. And it's our job to to open up that that richness for our audience. That said, with that sort of um, mission driving you, when you walk out uh, to be in you for for the first performance of Requiem this month, and and you greet the audience and and you greet. Um, your musicians, when you walk out onto the stage, what is, what is um, your mantra or your mindset? Well, my mindset is one purely of, uh, <laughs> I pray for focus on my behalf and I, and I pray for focus on the behalf of my performers because none of this is easy. I mean, all of this is extremely difficult music. Um, all of it is difficult from a technical standpoint and it's, um, and the focus and unanimity of spirit required by everyone involved to, to bring off the ethos and the, and the message of, 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 of the music and of the text uh, requires great focus for everybody. This piece, we're not doing it with an intermission. It'll, it'll be over before an hour and a half. So it's, just, so it's but that's some concentration. And that's, that's what, I, what I'm asking for, is for myself. And because if we concentrate on the specifics, if we do what the composer has asked for us, and we, and we go by the book, if you will, that will allow us all kinds of opportunity to express ourselves in unique ways, if that makes sense. I've always said that, that making music or making art is like, you know, you can't grow a, a beautiful tomato plant without a steak. If you don't have that steak, that tomato plant, isn't gonna grow and be unique. But if you look at every tomato plant, it's different, even though the steak is the same. This is the way it is with, this is the way it is with, uh, with great music, I believe. 
do what's necessary, build that stake with, with discipline and, and everything else and allow the music to, to, to take its, a life of its own in the moment. Opera Roanoke will perform Giuseppe Verdi's Requiem May 13th at 7.30 and May 15th at 2.30. You can learn more on WDBJ7.com. Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.